I don't want to be a martyr. Nor I. I want to live. That is good. For believing what you do, we confer upon you a rare gift these days. A martyr's death. The cross commands you. The blood of the martyrs commands you. I wrote them down in my diary so that I wouldn't have to remember. We're having so much fun that I'm going back to Spain, but we are going to 6th century Spain. And this is going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting for one reason and one reason only. I have no idea how to say these people's names. Oh, you would almost think I could, you know, maybe control this and not do this to myself. But we are going to late 6th century Spain. So Spain is really an anachronistic term. We are on the Iberian Peninsula. And we are under the reign of Visigoth King Leo Vigildis. And I have no idea if that's correct or not, and I don't really care at this point because his name is the easier of the two main people that we're going to say today. Now, he rules basically the entirety of the Iberian Peninsula. If you remember, we've mentioned before, I think it was last week actually, that the uh, the Muslim incursion isn't going to happen for another 100 plus years. So, as of right now, we have air quotes Christian Iberia, and I say air quotes because this is a fun time to be alive if you are into Christian controversy. See, this is the height of the Aryan controversy in Spain, depending on who's in charge, depending on what area you're in, depending on what even locality, I mean like town or who your bishop is, will determine whether or not you're in or out of orthodoxy. So, you know, we've seen things in the past in history with Athanasius coming and going multiple times. Well, the Visigoths, which, again, you may be looking at me going, what's a Visigoth? Well, that's a really good question, actually. The Visigoths, <coughs> excuse me, as near as we can figure, are a people who kind of show up in history around the 3rd century as they start interacting with Rome. And the reason we say they just show up in history is because that's the first time they interact with someone who wrote something down. So... The best we can tell, they come from what would be considered modern-day Ukraine slash Romania in that area where the uh, Danube River runs across in that, that uh, fertile plain where you can grow stuff and actually settle down. So they have moved across, which goes to show you, when we talk about people groups throughout history, we are really all kind of coming from the same people because we're talking about the Spanish descended from Goths, which intermingled with the Celts, which are really intermingling with the Gauls, which are all really connected to the Vikings. It's, it's, it's a train wreck. It's an absolute train wreck. So the hit list during this period is beyond countable. I mean, the, there are groups going back and forth. So Arius arises. Brings forth his heresy. He is condemned to the Council of Nicaea. The problem is another council is called several years later where Arianism is upheld. Then Arius and the emperor die. And a new council is called where Arianism is condemned. And then it's kind of condemned again. And then it's held up again depending on who your emperor is, especially as you get the the solidified split between east and west. So at this time, Leo, oh, I just did it again. I don't know if it's Leo, no, it's got to be Leavagildus, 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 Leavagildus. Leavagildus is a Visigoth. Almost all of the Visigoth rulers at this time period are Arians. 
Now, there is one exception, and that is the son of Leovigildus, Hermengildius. And I'm not even making that up. Hermen, Hermenegildus. 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 He is... <laughs> if I say it enough times, does he pop out of my computer screen and smack me and tell me how to say his name? Probably not. He is governor in Seville in southwestern modern-day Spain. He is converted to Christianity by the influence of two people, really. Leander, who is bishop of Seville. And by the way, Leander is kind of a big deal in this time period. He is the one who is going to persevere through all of this and lead the charge against the uh, heretical Aryan movement in Spain to the point that one of his um, one of his reforms that he actually be later on uh, during the reign of the son of Leovigildus, who actually takes over his throne at the uh, Ricardus, anyway, he um, Leander the bishop gets instituted as part of the worship service, the standard worship service, the reading of the Nicene Creed in order to solidify the orthodox understanding of Christ in the nation. So Leander helps influence Hermen Hermenegildus and his wife Ingund, who is also a Visigoth descendant. She is married in, and she is also from one of the rare families. Now, in the process of this, because of the influence of Leander, as well as the influence of Hermenegildus, I'm having fun saying that now, there is a rebellion against Leovigildus. Again, this is going to get real complicated. <laughs> the main reason for the rebellion is actually religious in nature. Um, Leovigildus ignores the rebellion for as long as he can, doesn't want to go to war with his son, especially over religious issues, tries to compromise issues a few edicts that would soften the Aryan hold on theology, but it doesn't hold. The Aryans don't like it. The Orthodox believers don't like it. Hermenegildus is not backing down, so Leovigildus has to go to war against his son. Well, here's the problem. Hermenegildus has a city, basically. He, I mean, he has a little bit more than that territory. He's able to march out, but he's vastly outnumbered. The, the majority of Visigoth nobility is Arian and against this rebellion. And while the Byzantine emperor in literally Byzantium, Constantinople, as well as the, at this point, you could probably call him Pope Gregory the Great, although it'd be a little iffy there. You have Gregory the Great, who claims to be one of the highest of the powered popes, are both supporting Hermenegildus. Neither sends him any military aid. So he's doomed. Now, as a credit to the, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The faithfulness, no, the fortitude, and the conviction of this rebellion, the city of Seville held out against the siege for over a year, which may not seem like much, but when you're thoroughly outnumbered, I mean, standard siege works, you will, you want to typically, because it's easier to defend an area than it is to conquer an area, so without modern weapons, you want to be able to outnumber the defenders. I want to say it's three to one. And four or five to one makes the siege go a little bit faster because you can simply overwhelm the defenders and, and take the area. The uh, the army that Herman uh, that Hermenegildus had was was outnumbered by his Aryan father by more than those numbers. The city should have fallen very quickly. They literally held on as long as you possibly could. Now he's arrested. Hermenegildus is arrested. He is exiled. The reason he is exiled is because he is continually offered the opportunity to recant. This was a, this is important because 
if the rebellion were simply a political thing or a power move thing, you could almost deal with it if you're uh, Leah Leavigildas. The way you would prove that and be able to bring your son back into good graces is by getting him to recant, to come over to Arianism and to renounce the faith. Do that. Everybody's fine. Everything's good. Hermenegildus refuses. He refuses several times, and he is placed into the care of Duke Sigisbert, finally somebody's name we can say, who actually gets sick of this game and... This is a little interesting. We don't know if it's on his own or on orders from the king. If I had to bet, you don't get to execute the king's kid, you know, unilaterally. So I'm pretty sure he had orders here. But he executes Hermenegildus for refusing to renounce Orthodox faith and come over to the side of Arianism. And he does so by hacking the man to pieces, which is, you know, not exactly the way you want to go. But at the end of the day a better outcome than living in heresy and damning your eternal soul and i think that's part of the thing that we forget is this is what these battles are about when you deal in church history to me is we're not just talking about we secular historians try to distill everything down to power grabs i mean it's the most i mean the uh, what the word just went right out of my head when you doubt the motivations of something, you can yell the words at your phone and tell me what it is. They are they give no credit to any religious motivation. Secular historians, they give no credence to any higher calling. And they simply believe it is just a matter of power and corruption and worldliness when it's not. Skeptical, that's part of the word I'm looking for. It's not the full word, but it's it. It is not just... Um, it is not just a skeptical, worldly system. Cynical, that's the word I'm looking for. I'm looking for cynical. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. For everyone who is yelling, I heard you. I appreciate it. You have to look past the cynicism and actually put people where they claim to be. And that becomes important because what you then realize is there has been a battle going on since the garden. And it is a battle that God has won. And why, while his people may rise and fall in this world, they are always standing firm in the world that is to come. They have received the crown of life, and we know they have because they persevered to the end under the greatest of pressures and tribulations. Why? Because they were empowered by the Holy Spirit to do so. Christian, this is where we stand and this is where we rest, realizing that we are warring against the enemy and we are warring in such a way because we are victorious in Christ. So until we meet again, Read your Bible. It'll do you good.